You're listening to Fearless Talk, episode number nine. This episode features our very own Caitlin Nix. Caitlin is a fearless co-graphic designer, content creator, and a friend to all. In this episode, she tells her epic journey of coming to know Jesus as her dream giver and provider. As a storyteller using film and photography, Caitlin has captured so many raw human experiences for God's glory, and her story is so full of radical moments that allow heaven to invade earth. In the ever-constant yes to God's desires for her life, she's learned to know his voice in the midst of victory, tragedy, new beginnings, burnout, and the ordinary. This episode is one of my all-time favorites because it invites us all to know God as exceedingly abundant in his mercies, loving kindness, and plans for our lives. We hope that you feel inspired to discover the divine way that God wants to use your life as you listen to the way that he has so beautifully and creatively crafted Caitlin's. As you listen, know that God wants to love you beyond your greatest expectations. Enjoy! Okay, everybody. Hello. I'm so excited. Today I have my good friend, Caitlin Nix. Hello, hello. We're so excited because Caitlin is not just a friend um, of mine or of EB's, but she also is on Fearless Co. staff. It's a staff, right? Sure. You'd call it a staff? Yeah. The team. A very tight-knit team. Yeah, super tight-knit team. <laughs> that's that's going after the same thing together. So yeah. kind of a staff. Um, and so we're just going to, I'm going to introduce her, um, or actually I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Sure. And then um, we'll kind of go from there. But welcome, Caitlin. Can you give us a little story huh. that will kind of bring us to uh, where we are today in your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks. I'm so excited. Um yeah, she said my name. It's Caitlin Nix, and <laughs> I was born and raised in Orange County, California. Um, and when I turned seventeen, I kind of got in an airplane and didn't come back for a few years. And <laughs> to keep it short on that intro, but um, yeah, I've been super fortunate to travel all over the world doing film, photo, um, and basically like social media strategy for nonprofits um, and content creation. Um, filming documentaries in the Middle East and things like that and um, truly have seen so many beautiful things and so many crazy heartbreaking things and um, ultimately so honored uh, to be able to do all of that and then wild enough ending up in Boise, Idaho for right now which is super cool. Apparently, I say Boise wrong. It's Boise. Boise. Yeah. Same. Working on that. Boise, like the letter C. Boise. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on that pronunciation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is very but, crucial to where I'm at. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so now I'm here and I'm working alongside uh, the Fearless Co. team and creating content for our social media, um, graphic design, video photo, a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the beauty of building something with a tight-knit crew is you um you kind of share the burden of everything but it's a joy so mm-hmm. yeah yeah and right before we started recording this this is actually our second time recording this mm-hmm. um something that i've kind of experienced in this whole thing is it's not perfect it doesn't have to be perfect and i'm super thankful mm-hmm. to be doing this with you specifically mm-hmm. obviously everyone else but you right. specifically because of just the grace that you give and mm-hmm. it's so crazy how old are you 22 which is crazy <laughs> and as you're saying all those things you're like oh, went on a plane for a couple years went to the middle east <laughs> lived in the middle east shot a documentary like all of those things are so huge but you say them mm-hmm. so casually mm-hmm. and you kind of came in and 
every like insecurity and fear and structural organizational thing you've really like tuned it in and honed it in and have you just have like this gift of bringing order to things that are Hmm. either not seen not understood or not totally like pursued yet Mm -hmm. if that makes sense so I kind of want to unpack that a little bit more with you and how you've gone after different um, opportunities mm-hmm. that a lot of people would never go after <laughs> for one reason or the other. Right. So some of the That's things, cool. yeah, one, and one of the things that you kind of talked about the first time we recorded this mm-hmm. um, was your business. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> one of the things that we talked about mm-hmm. the first time was your business. Yeah. So can you kind of introduce that and, and how that kind of has shaped where you are now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, so right now my business uh, that I do is like social media management, um, content creation, video photo, all that kind of things. But um, ultimately I got into it when I was like 13 and I... Uh, went on a trip and a friend gave me a camera and fell in love with photography came home begged my mom to buy me a camera and got a camera and then shortly after started shooting weddings alongside of an older friend they invited me to go and for four years throughout high school I shot weddings so I was very entrepreneurial minded Um, and then right after I graduated high school um, a week after I got on a plane went to eastern Europe for six weeks filmed every single day, made a video for each week, and that nonprofit said, um, hey, can we use these videos for our website? And I was like, sure. And that kind of got me onto this idea of like, well, what if I just told stories of God around the world? Like what God is doing in in his power and in his might and um, how people are just like walking with him. And um, so that was an idea I had at 17. And I realized like, you know, I can't really travel the world yet by myself. I'm still a child. Um, (laughs) My mom was like, absolutely not. So I put that idea of like capturing like stories of God around the world on like the sidelines, but I knew I would come back to it hopefully. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I moved home to Southern California. Um, I live near the ocean and very surf skate culture there. And so um, I had this concept of like, what if I created a handcrafted goods company um, that gave a portion of our proceeds or our profits to nonprofits doing awesome things. And so we created handcrafted skateboards in my neighbor's wood shop and leather goods in my garage. So my across the street neighbor gave us his garage code and basically the day he gave us that garage code until about a year later, we were in his garage every day for 16 hours a day. And no exaggeration to that. Like we built this thing from the ground up. I think we made like 40 skateboards before we even had one working model that was like, this is like, we can sell this. Wow. And so, yeah, it was wild. Um, and I actually told my parents, you know, they said, okay, if you're not going to go to college and you're 17, you need to get a job. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, well, I have this business idea. Give me two weeks. If I can sell 10 skateboards in two weeks, I'm going to pursue this full time. I think I had like close to a thousand dollars in savings from high school and whatever jobs I had done. Um, so not much, but you know, a good Mm -hmm. bit for a few months to get by. And, and so I, um, three days went by and we sold all 10 skateboards Mm -hmm. and I and I came to my parents and I said hey they're all gone and they're like what and I was like yeah we sold them all I think I think we're gonna do this and so that day I googled how to start a LLC it's a limited liability corporation and what that looks like and 
that led me down a rabbit trail of Googles to uh, setting up the business <laughs> and getting a license and a seller's permit to be able to buy wholesale. And we'd call companies like every day, like, hey, we want to buy this many of this. How much would this cost? And they expect me to be, you know, 25. And mm-hmm. I'd show up this like young little 17 year old girl in their skate warehouse, you yeah. know. Um, but I always knew that like age didn't really have much to do with it. It was like your willingness and also your like, ability to not give up and you know I had a car and and all the things that a typical adult would so Mm -hmm. why not just go for it and so um, we did and we ran that business for like about a year and it went amazing we were um, profitable under 10 months and it was truly like an insane thing my parents were like wow this is amazing but a few basically come May so towards the end of that year um, of running it I heard God just say, hey, what if um, I want you to join me in York, England at Bible College? And I'm like, what? I'm like, that York, England? Like, who's, where is that? And so look it up. And, you know, just God being God that week, I went and got coffee with my cousin in San Diego. Hadn't seen her in a while. A friend that she knew was there as well. And I told her a bit of my story and she's, she starts crying and I'm like, oh God, what did I say? Like, I think I offended this girl. And she, and she's like, no, no, no. Like I just resonate with your story so much. Um, and she's like, yeah, right now I feel like God is calling me to go to Bible college. And I'm like, really me too. Where? And she's like, York, England. And I'm like, me too. I just got chills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a chill moment for sure. We were like sitting in the coffee shop, like, did you feel the ground shake? You know. But it was like one of those things where you're like, God is serious when he calls us to do things and in his kindness, he brings people into our path to remind us. And so I, um, you know, I was like, well, I think we were definitely supposed to meet today. And, um, and so that was in May that we met. Um, and in June I went on a trip. Um, well, I tried to fill out the application to go to Bible college, but it got to like the spiritual questions and I felt just really like, not good enough just to put it in simple terms and so I was like I'm not gonna fill this out so I pushed the papers to the edge of my desk and continued doing our business and um and then about a month and a half goes by I go on a trip for a week and in Florida I meet a girl who um tells me yeah I just got home I'd been living out of the country for a year and a half or like two years I was going to school out there I was like oh sweet where are we going to school York England (laughs) oh what school are you going to about this like bible college and I was like okay so we got on the plane I flew home and the moment we got home I pulled out that packet I finished it went to the post office and shipped it off to York England Um, wow and about three weeks later I got the news that I was accepted and so um yeah in August um got on a plane and flew to England so it was only like a few months later that I was there and Mm -hmm. Um, we decided we'd put the business on pause because God's calling is always greater than our own success or money or whatever we think is being really um, crafted. Yeah, crafted in that season. And and so I was out there for four months and it was such a vital time with me and the Lord. And um, in November, I want to say, uh, it was a Tuesday night. It was a worship night. We had a worship night every Tuesday. And I just felt like God said to me, I'm going to take you to Asia. And I'm, you know, in this small little church in York, England, in a village town that like 
you know, medieval times was like ran in and God's like, I'm going to take you to Asia. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) cool. (laughs) And at the time, I honestly didn't know much about the Holy Spirit. I knew that God would speak to me. And I knew that I had these drawings in my heart that was like, I have to do this and there's nothing else I can do. Um, And so I said, okay, if this is God, I'm going to let this be God. I'm not going to push any doors open. I'm going to let him bring it to me. Um, about a month later, I get a DM on Instagram to our business account um, from a girl that says, hey, I'm really curious how you grew your Instagram following. Can we have a Skype call? Um, and I was like, sure, this is crazy. So we get on a Skype call and I'm like, so what's your brand? What do you do? And she's like, well, we're a nonprofit and we work in nations, the 1040 window around the world where the gospel is illegal. Like you can't openly preach about Jesus. And so um, you know, I, t- I shared with her my tips and the things I did and what I thought maybe they could do. And, um, and then at the end of the call, she says, you know, this summer I'm leading trips to Asia. You should come. And I'm like, wait, I'm actually really, I said, really? Like, I'm, I'm actually really serious about taking mm-hmm. you up on that. Like, I felt like God told me to go and I didn't want to push wow. any doors. Like I was going to wait till I was invited. And, and so, um, yeah, that was in December, and I moved from England to Seattle for a year to continue an internship at the same Bible college, but like a different location. Mm-hmm. And so that was December, but come April, I remember, like she said, this summer. So I messaged her saying, like, hey, are you guys still doing those trips? She's like, oh, yeah, the the deadline for the applications are almost closed, but here it is. So I fill it out that day. I send it off to her. Only a few days later, I get an email saying, yeah, we'd love to have you. And um, we were going to Nepal. And so I was so excited. I didn't even know where Nepal was. Mm -hmm. Um, And I looked it up and I was like, wow, that is far. That is really far (laughs) away. And so the world goes that far. Yeah, the world goes that far. Oh, my God. And so um, a few weeks later, I was on a plane to Nepal. And, um, you know, the funding for all of this, I get asked so often. Like, I think the top question I get is, Caitlin, how do you travel so much? And where does the money come from? Mm -hmm. And so often it comes from just people who um, literally, most often through social media, I'll share what God is doing. And then someone will DM me and say, hey, I want to partner with you in this. I can't go, but I want to like send you. And so finances will flow in through that. And so it's ultimately all these opportunities through the generosity of others that mm-hmm. God has put on their heart has mm-hmm. then allowed me to go do these things. And so Nepal was, um, that very situation. And That's so, so cool. yeah, we were there for two weeks. Um, I'd say that trip grabbed me by the shoulders and shook me up and put all my passions like right up at my neck. <laughs> and so it was like, what are you going to do with these now? Choose the ones you want and run after them. Mm-hmm. And at this point I was 19. So I had a little more footing of to be able to go travel. And- I can't believe you've gone through all of these crazy moments of just like hearing God's voice and him inviting you mm-hmm. in the span of a year. Yeah. It's year wild. And a half. <laughs> yeah. So like that story was just like a year. It was like a year and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, I celebrated my 19th birthday in a flat in York, England around girls who I had only known for three months, but they felt like sisters, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's like, I've seen God do things in a matter of time that to the world standards, like, dude, that doesn't make any sense. But to God, it's like your journey is your journey. And so he's gonna, he's gonna do it in his timing. And so, yeah, I went to Nepal for two weeks, um, came home to Seattle and I was committed to my internship until December. So this was the end of June that I got back to Seattle and I'd be there till December. 
Uh, about a week later, I get a phone call from this girl that I'm who had originally FaceTimed me about social media growth, and I had met her in Nepal. She was on that trip, and we hit it off. We became really good friends. And she called me and she said, "Hey, um, I got invited to film a documentary in the Middle East uh, for two weeks. Do you want to come?" I was like, "Well." yes, but when? And she's like, September, this is the end of June and my commitment's till December. And I felt like God had said, I want you to, to be true to your words, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So Mm -hmm. stick through this internship till December. And so I told her, you know, I feel like God is telling me like, keep integrity in my word. And, and she said, Hey, I totally respect that. And, um, I'll let you know if anything changes. And so another week goes by and I get this, uh, I get this DM on Instagram from a friend saying, hey, this nonprofit that's going to Nicaragua needs a filmmaker and they're going to like pay for them to go mm-hmm. and or they'll like give you a scholarship. So it's like half the price. And I'm like, God, can I go on that? And I felt peace in my heart to go. And I was like, OK, so I asked my intern overseer first and she said, yeah, you can mm-hmm. go. And I, I kind of felt like she was kind of the middleman of like if she says it's OK, then like it's OK, because mm-hmm. um yeah, it was like I was serving her. So, um, yeah, and then I reached out to the nonprofit and uh, ended up going. A few weeks later, I was on a plane to Nicaragua. Once again, all the finances to the dollar were given. Wow. Um, and that was through, like, GoFundMe, and it was just so wild. And I went there for a week, and I came home, um, and the idea that God had given me when I was 17 in Eastern Europe about going around the world filming um, stories of God was my actual life. Yeah. And, and I was like in shock, but I, but it was also natural that it wasn't this like, oh, I forced this to become something. It was like, nope, I just went after the things I wanted to go after. Like I knew I couldn't travel the world yet, so I just started a skateboard company that we would end up dissolving a year and a half later. And you know, everyone around you saying, what happened to that? You put so much work into that. And you're like, yeah, but for such a time as this, like I gotta go. And so that's just how I've always kind of rolled with the ideas and the dreams with God. And I think there's this gift, like we are dreaming with the dream maker himself. And so when God invites me to dream with him, it's like, I'm not going to hold back, but I am going to yield when he says to. So anyways, you know, go to Nicaragua, come home, um, and end up traveling all over the U S filming random nonprofits and things like that. And, Um, It was just absolutely wild, all the opportunities that kept coming. And um, pretty soon, I my friend called me back and she said, hey, the film uh, in the Middle East got moved to uh, January. Do you want to come? And I said, yep, (laughs) because my commitment was over by December. So um, I said, yeah, I'd love to go. And so um, pretty crazy. I had no money. Um, I was living in Seattle in a two bedroom apartment with four girls um and we were just going after what god had told us to do and i we wanted to buy our ticket our one-way ticket to the middle east by mid-november but i had no way financially of doing this and um and i just prayed and i was like god i know you're going to provide your jehovah jireh which means our provider and um and i felt like god said the finances for your trip are going to come from the people you invest in relationally and and i just looked around myself really logically and was like I live with three girls I'm gonna just keep investing in them because I love them Mm -hmm. so um I did and no joke a few days later I wake up and I walk out in the kitchen and my roommate 
is out there and she says, hey, I wanted to talk to you about your Middle East trip. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what's up? You know, and and at this point, I don't really know anything. I'm just mm-hmm. going because God said to, but I don't really know what we're doing exactly. And um, she said, well, two years ago when I was in YWAM, my grandfather died. And um, when he passed away, he gave me a will. He gave me like a trust of money. And I took 10% of that trust and I set it aside because I knew God wanted me to give it to missions or to give it to like someone going after the call of God on their life. And for the last two years, I've like almost given it to multiple people. But every time I just felt this like in my heart, like I should wait. And so she's like, so I waited and I waited. And two years later, I asked God like, so that morning or like, you know, the day before Mm -hmm. I asked God, God, can I give this to Caitlin to go to the Middle East? And, and, um, she said, yeah, I felt peace in my heart. So I want to buy your ticket to the, to the Middle East. And I'm like, Julia, you know, this ticket's like $800, right? And she's like, yeah, I know. She's like, I'll have the money in an envelope on your desk tonight. And I went out for the day. Like, you know, when you're like floating, you're like walking around (laughs) floating and you're like, am I, what universe is this? You know, it's like heaven met earth. And so her generosity, like literally shook me to the core. And I was like, this is a 20 year old girl. She's the same age as me. She is making minimum wage and she has this sum of money that she could care less about keeping or or gripping onto in fear. She wants to give it away because she knows that that's what Jesus is calling her to do. Mm-hmm. And so that night I came home, there was an envelope on my desk with $750 cash in it. Um, the ticket was like that much and and a note. And she just said, I'm, I'm so thankful to be able to give this to you. Wow. And that was when I knew like, we bought a one-way ticket. We have no clue what we're doing. We're giving God four months to like have us out in the Middle East, wherever he wants us to go. Um, like this trip is going to be insane. Mm -hmm. And so, um, did that scare you that I just had no clue what we were doing? Yeah. I don't, when I look back on it, I mean, that was only two years ago, Mm -hmm. but when I look back on it, I'm like, ultimately it's grace that's upon us like when god calls us to do something even to call me to move to boise idaho like from where i was living everyone's like why are you moving there because Mm -hmm. it just seems like this like middle of nowhere place yeah Mm -hmm. and like you know you're not sure about money like what are you doing and but there's grace that i think god just pours out on you when there's moments that the burden that you once held like you're burdened to go so much that the things that would want to keep you there don't anymore and Mm -hmm. so um at the time it was so much excitement I'm a seven on the Enneagram so like I'm like this is amazing I love the unknowns of life mystery God he's so fun (laughs) like oh I love God like it's just so exciting to me and so I was excited there definitely was like this reality of like we're going into war we're going Mm -hmm. into terrorism and we're going into very unsafe um known environments so my whole family was like why are you doing this to us yeah. while I feel like God is just so kindly saying go I'll be with you like, yeah I'll be with you and so continually I just pushed forward in that and um ended up moving home from Seattle to Orange County I drove my car down and three weeks later flew to Virginia to meet up with my two friends who um I would be traveling with And I flew to Virginia with $500 in my pocket that my grandma gave me as like a, please don't go. Um, You don't even have any money. 
but mm-hmm. I'm going to give you this just in case if you decide to go, mm-hmm. you know. But she was, like, for me. She just, of course, was, totally. fear, like, a little bit fearful. And so I flew to Virginia with 500 bucks, knowing that there's no way that's going to cover four months' worth of travel. And, like, I still didn't have a ticket home. Yeah. So my family's like, you're leaving to the Middle East. You don't have a, your ticket home. Are you kidding me, mm-hmm. you know? And so I get to Virginia. I end up, I'm there for, like, a week. And I meet a ton of people. And I swear, every single person I met was like, here's, a, here's money here here and so by the time I left Virginia I had like thirteen hundred dollars in my in my hands and so um we left we flew to Jordan and we were in Israel Palestine for two weeks and then we drove back to Jordan we were there for two weeks um and then we were like okay well I guess it's time to book our next plane ticket we only have five days left till our tourist visa is up so we're like god where to next and we we all three felt like god said Iraq And we were like, okay, we don't know anyone in Iraq. How are we going to do that? And our contact in Jordan knew someone in Iraq. And he Facebook messaged him, said, hey, I have three friends here filming a project. Um, Could they come stay with you and your family? And the guy messaged back, said, sure. So we booked our flight and we went and we were there for like a week and a half. And then um, absolutely unreal because the stories we heard of refugees in Jordan, we saw with our own eyes in Iraq because they had made the journey from Iraq when ISIS was like attacking Mosul and Baghdad and everything to Jordan, which is like a middle safety ground. And we would go to these villages and they would tell us the name of the village and we'd be like, that's where so-and-so told us they came from. Like we're in their home right now. And so it was just wild to be like on those streets. And then um in Iraq we decided we're gonna go to Germany and we went to Germany for two weeks we stayed with like really distant family members in, from my family in Germany for a week and then we took a train to the other side of Germany and we stayed there for a week with my friend's friend and then we flew from there to Morocco for two weeks and that was wild in itself as well and um and then we flew home and it, it was like three months by the end of it and um down to the wire on finances like Mm -hmm. it was hilarious and um but just seeing god's faithfulness and then this is this is where i think the story actually becomes where i started becoming who i am and a lot of times it's like this moment of like okay so you move back home to orange county and then you just stayed in orange county what happened like you were traveling the world you were doing the dream you had when you were 17 like you were literally living the dream life of traveling and filming and um you know like just going for it and I moved home so burnt out I moved home so culture shocked I moved home so unmotivated to film anything I remember I got home and I I just told my mom like the stories I've heard in the last three months like I need time to just process like and I was like I I don't even want to look at my camera like I don't Mm -hmm. even want to film anything and it's wild because the whole joy in even going was to film this story and I think you know now looking back in hindsight like God used that so that I would draw near to him to say like God who am I without all these things like Mm. who am I with you when I'm not traveling the world who am I with you when I'm not filming something who am I with you if you just called me to sit in my room where I grew up and know that I'm enough right there wow so it was like very difficult but now two years later from that very moment I can say like I'm so thankful that I was stopped in my tracks basically and really like drew towards the Lord to say like who am I like 
if I was gifted in nothing, if I couldn't do all these creative things or entrepreneurial things, am I still enough? And of course, the father says yes, but the world might say no. But that doesn't mean we listen to the world, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, and that, you know, that's kind of the wildness of it. And so I was back home at the end of March, 2017. And um, I ended up going back to Nepal in June or in July. I led a trip um, with a guy for creatives. Mm-hmm. We went for two weeks and so wild. We're there like leading this trip, you know, with people who had never been to Southeast Asia before. And I'd been, I was the only one on the trip who had been before. But I'm still recovering from like the Middle East craziness and the last like three years of my life of nonstop yeah. travel and processing that. I just moved home for the for the first time, when I moved home from the Middle East, it was the first time I'd moved home not knowing where I would go next. I knew I'd go to Nepal for two weeks, but that was a short trip. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't moving somewhere else. I was just going to be at home. And that was a scary thought for me, like, to to not have something planned mm-hmm. to hold on to for the future. And I think that does come back to, like, the seven, yeah. if you guys are into the Enneagram. But, um... It taught me so much. And so I remember in Nepal, I had this like breakthrough moment of like, oh, wow. Like it was never even about this anyways. Like mm-hmm. through traveling, I met Jesus face to face, but that doesn't mean he's only there. Yeah. He's like in my childhood bedroom with like blue walls, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and like weird wallpaper. Like mm-hmm. he's there and he's in the stillness and he's in the quiet, but he's also in these nations where I don't know what anyone's saying because I don't speak the language. But to me, that makes me feel at home. It's like this strange, like, just like awesome joy. Um, and so, yeah, I, I basically began the journey of being at home and settling in and letting roots dig roots dig deep. Mm-hmm. And um, I was embraced by an incredible community. I got to know people on the deepest levels I'd ever known anyone. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, of course, traveled in between until I moved here. But... Um, this has been my first like solid move outside of home since all those travels. Mm -hmm. And it's just been so cool to see God's grace poured out in all these new ways. Um, but because I was actually rooted somewhere, I was able to like get a consistent business going with like freelance and video and all these amazing things I love while balancing like this very faith driven life of traveling wherever he calls me to go or, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. So um that's like how this all got started and I think the last two years have just been a refinement season or period of time where I've decided okay I'm no longer shooting weddings anymore I'm only gonna do the things that bring me joy like I'm no longer like for hire for these crafts I'm only gonna be doing video and design and Mm -hmm. like brand so like refining like the things I love to do rather than the things I'm good at and people tell me I should do so even in just like my career finding like what I want to do and who I am in Christ but then also like internally in my heart like understanding emotional awareness and understanding um, boundaries and relationship and friendship and business and um yeah all those beautiful things of life that we can we can miss if we actually don't just sit down for a little while and I'm so thankful I got to go on that wildly fun journey and I know that this is just the beginning even still Mm -hmm. um but like literally 22 countries later I'm like wow I love home so much yeah you know it like taught me to like cherish my family and Mm -hmm. like yeah so 
I had listened to you talk forever, <laughs> I, which is really hard. I'm. It's like hard for me to like focus and really like listen and mm-hmm. and everything that you said was just like the handprint of God. Mm. And it's crazy because you being so young, I felt like he took two and a half years and just stretched them as wide as they could go and just gave you and deposited so much in each moment. Mm -hmm. I can, and I can totally see how burnout would come. Mm -hmm. I actually didn't expect you to say that Mm -hmm. when you said you came home and felt burnout. So in a practical way, how did you like, and I know you said kind of through refining God, showed up in your room and was like yeah I'm here too Mm -hmm. you know and showed up in all the places that you hadn't expected but kind of in a practical way how do you find your way back to your passion right after it's been so like stripped so stripped totally for purpose though it was right you know like there's such a difference that I mean it totally surprised me too I didn't think that by the time I got home three months later I'd be like I never want to do this again but there was a reality of, Caitlin, you need rest. You're a human. You just mm-hmm. went nonstop for three months straight. In Arguably two and a half years straight, you know? Yeah, and in really, difficult. yeah, really difficult situations and, and um, environments, spiritually and physically, you know? We were sick all the time, all that kind of stuff. So you get home and you're like, one, I just want to drink a smoothie because I've had falafel <laughs> and pita for three months. And if I look at like, you know what I mean? Like you start to literally be so thankful for strawberries. Like you're like, the fact that that is edible right now is just, you know what I mean? Like that I can eat that whenever I want is just such a joy. And mm-hmm. so not having to use a water bottle to brush your teeth, like things like that is like game changing when mm-hmm. you get home. And so, but inside the creative world of burnout, I came home and I just, you know, I set my camera down, and for for the first two months I was home, I I didn't really film anything. And was it this place of like knowing, like, no, I need to rest. I'm not going to mess with that because I know the passion's not there. Right. Was it resentment? Was it just like honestly, I it, yeah. it's not anything profound. I just don't want to do it. It was like a mixture of everything. It mm-hmm. was like resentment for sure because I had just used a camera for three months to capture like horrifying stories so it was like wait why are we even doing this again yeah you know it was like this questioning of why we even went there um and then the reality of like I have to create something out of all that we just filmed that means I'm going to be editing for hours and weeks and months to create a short film off of this so it was almost like resentment towards that but then also like just complete burnout of passion towards it like I was like I just did everything creatively I possibly could for three months so I need to like just sit back and my parents in that time I moved back into their home and they were so just gracious and were like just take this time you know, just take this time to just be and, and, um, when you're ready, like start working again, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and I, I remember I told my mom, like, I just want to get a job at TJ Maxx, like, so I can just hang clothes and kind of think about nothing. And I didn't, but that was like a thought of mine. And, and I think that there was this thing in my heart of like, when people, when you come home from a trip and I had seen this from all the countries I'd gone to, people ask you, how was your trip? And you say, oh, it was so good, blah, 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 blah. And as you start going into it, you watch the person tune out. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait, why did they ask me how if my trip was? If, if they're going to tune out. So there was this resentment resentment as well in me that was like, no one wants to hear about my trip, so I'm not going to talk about it. So then that left me not processing like what I had just gone through. And so thankfully, though, God would bring um, 
friends in my life that really did care to listen because they realized how impactful it was when they did listen. And I would preface it with like, do you guys really want to hear this? Because like, it's a hard story to tell, but I'm glad I'll gladly tell you. And so even to this day, like last week, I got coffee with someone and they said, can you tell me about your three months in the Middle East? And I could tell they really wanted to know. And I told her the whole three month story. And when I came home, I told Evie, I was like, I'm so thankful every time I get to share my story, it it like unpacks a different part of it and God teaches me something new through it. So practically though, burnout, I just decided this is my time to rest. And so, you know, it's not this like four-step program of how to get back into being creative, but I just like set it aside and I focused on other things like resting and and just sitting with Jesus and like being in his word and Mm -hmm not having these expectations to make anything and I had just moved back home and no one really knew me that well there because I had been traveling for for so long so I felt like I was new in a new city even though it was where I grew up and I was able to like remake myself basically and so in that I was like I don't want to be known as the person who films everything anymore I don't want to be known as like the photographer like I'm gonna just show up as myself and in that God taught me you are enough without your camera you are enough without your abilities you are enough without all these businesses and passions and things that you've done your history you are enough and um it almost became like joyful to be like a mystery to people of like they don't need to know I spent three months in the Middle East they don't need to know I've traveled all over the world like I just want to be a person here and so it was super cool um and then by just being loved by people and like figuring out like you know how to love people back home I I started wanting to pick up my camera again and when I went to Nepal in July to lead a trip on creativity I learned a ton because I went there burnt out but I came home Mm re-inspired and it was actually the last day of our two weeks in Nepal our taxi got us lost and we were stranded up on this like little mountain and all these like beautiful Nepali women and and men and children were around us and they were like so open to us taking photos or filming and out of that one day I got my whole video for that I made for Nepal and it was like seeing that when we finally that morning I was like you know what sometimes to break out of burnout we have to just do it and so I was like today I'm just gonna have my camera out and be open to anything that comes and that day like captured some of the most beautiful footage of my life so far and it was such a joy so I think there's a reality of giving yourself rest but there's also a reality of, of deciding now's the time to move on like mm-hmm. let's get back to what you love mm-hmm. and let it be a thing of joy again and not a burden it like this deep heavy burden mm-hmm. on your life so mm-hmm. that's yeah. so cool mm-hmm. that's so cool and it kind of seems like you're like kind of with what I was saying earlier about how that time frame was expanded, mm-hmm. it seems like there was a new level of you understanding wholeheartedness in your life and yes. how you went on that coffee date the other day, mm-hmm. come home and tell someone like, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a new part of me that I'm discovering. Like this mm-hmm. well-roundedness, this wholeheartedness is right. developing in every every way mm-hmm. like as you just pursue what mm-hmm. God is giving you. And right. it, the thing that's really neat about all of this is I think it kind of applies to every kind of person. Mm-hmm. It applies to the girl who wants to travel. It applies to a missionary. Mm-hmm. It applies to the creative film student. It applies right. to the girl who does work at TJ Maxx. Uh-huh. Like, it's your story encapsulates so many people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why you're such a great storyteller is because it's about other people and you're mm-hmm. kind of just there and you trust that God will make something beautiful out of it. Mm-hmm. 
And as like, seriously, as you were talking, it's like, wow, there's so much more than just one person experiencing Mm -hmm. anything. And yeah, it's, it's so crazy. Yeah. A friend, she told me she's also a filmmaker and she said, you know, you can never tell a story you don't listen to. And I think about that in my own life. That's a pretty convicting thing. Isn't that amazing? It's like, sometimes we just tune people out. We just don't listen to them, whether they've done something to us or they've annoyed us, or we're kind of like, I've heard a worse story than this, or I've heard a better (laughs) story than this. You know, we Mm -hmm. almost grade them and, and we decide, nope, not worthy. And, but I think God is saying like, would you just listen? Like literally so many people just want to be heard and if we could just sit and have our ears open and and talk less um i think we would be as a humanity so much better storytellers and um also with god like i think our our life stories are so much more grand when we listen to him and we listen to the story he's telling us Mm -hmm. and to just trust him and like go with him so Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's truly crazy. I'm so excited <laughs> just to be a part of your story. I mean, oh, I know yeah. in, in all of that, like, I have such a small part, but I feel so blessed just to mm. sit here and be a part of your story mm-hmm. and a, pa- a part of your life. It's so right. cool. Yeah. So cool. So much honor in that. Yeah. Um, Kind of, like, just, I think this is something that we've all asked in um, these episodes when we've done them, but what's the fear that you feel like right now in all of this is there a fear is there a constant like something that you're pressing through Mm -hmm. you know in this whole pursuit yeah I think a very vivid fear in the calling on my life that I see is traveling and not staying too long in certain places and filming and telling stories and all of these things is like will it add up you know what I mean like if I if I'm moving around and like rooting uprooting rooting uprooting but I genuinely feel God is calling me to these certain places and there's grace on when to leave and and I don't leave until he says so like will it add up to this whole life and of course there's even the fear of like you know you're moving around so much like will will I create deep long-lasting friendships because what taught me in being home in Orange County for two years was relationship is the key to everything Mm -hmm. like and I while out there I found girls who I would call my sisters like I don't have any actual biological sisters but like if someone asked me I'm like yeah she's my sister like Mm -hmm. and it's like a very like genuine thing of like family doesn't ever disconnect like you can have hatred in your heart you can go through hell and back but family is still DNA yours like Mm -hmm. you you know and so for me it's like a matter of like will this all add up on a relational level um because it doesn't matter what I do and my story doesn't carry much weight unless love is the root of it and so it's like just trusting God in that it's like I say that as that's my genuine fear but then knowing God like is working all things together for the good of those who love and serve him and he is for me Mm-hmm. And like my story, I see such a small bit of it. It's like the mountains, like you only see the front scape of it, but there's so much behind it. And um, knowing that like he is creating something beautiful out of it, it's just like I only see the tiniest little bit right now. Mm-hmm. So I think that is definitely a, a genuine like thought and fear that I have to like continually remind myself like he's called you here for right now. So be here, be mm-hmm. present. Like, don't try to push somewhere else, like, all those things, so, Mm -hmm. yeah. 
I don't know if you meant to say this, and if you did, oh, what we I can get it out, but I thought it was really cool. Oh. You just said rooting, uprooting, rooting, uprooting. And myself, I can 100% relate to that mm-hmm. because I grew up in the military. Obviously, it wasn't the same thing, but I right. grew up in the military and we moved every two years. Mm-hmm. This is, Boise is the first place where I've ever put roots down, mm-hmm. really. And it's it was like terrifying to me at first. I was like, my whole life, yeah, I moved every two years and I moved... 12 times so that means I'm 12 years old like <laughs> I only have like I've, I've restarted 12 times yeah and I've only been here for like in my head like things just didn't add up mm-hmm. but I can kind of relate to that but what you just said in that whole phrase of the sphere of rooting and uprooting rooting and uprooting is love is the root to all of it and if you're making relationships with mm. people that are based on love then you are rooting yourself and yeah. it's a myth that you know, when you get up and physically leave and go mm-hmm. somewhere else that those things have it's to true. end. Yeah. They they really don't, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's, I just thought that was really cool. I don't know if you that meant to cool. say that or not, but. I didn't even realize that connection, but that is so true. <laughs> it was and really I love neat. that. Be blessed by that, y'all. Pastor Angel over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. She tried. Oh, um, I love that. It was so cool. So throughout this whole thing, which is, really cool and I didn't even notice till now but we haven't talked about comparison once Hmm. and as a creative that's something that I feel would be a pretty overwhelming thought can you talk about any experience you've had with comparison in your journey yeah comparison Mm. sneaky little (laughs) critter critter yeah (laughs) such a rodent but um yeah I mean especially creative world it's so saturated there is so many people trying to be like so many other people and I think on my journey like when I was 17 and I went to to Eastern Europe I was out there and I wasn't filming anything to like broadcast it I was just filming it for fun and then it was like afterwards I saw there was like this traction to what I had done and I started realizing like oh if I want to do this for real I have to be really good at it and so I had done like a lot of like internships in high school learning from people. So I never really had this like internal battle of like, since you're better than me, I hate you. Or since you're better than me, I need to be better than you. It was Mm -hmm. typically I'd be like, since you're better than me, I'm going to learn from you. Like, so I'd ask people like, how'd you do that? Can you show me when you're free how to do that? And like definitely comparison would would bubble up in in the idea of like, I wish I already knew that. But it wasn't in this like, hatred towards the person it was almost a, it was like a bitterness towards their skill which I guess is towards the person <laughs> you, know I, you know what I mean but like I never like manifested it like that where like I'd hate people it was yeah. like more of just like how do I get that skill set I want that skill set so then I'd ask people like can you teach me that or where did you learn from and um so that has definitely been a thing I think also just like Instagram so real you see people's <laughs> lives I'm just thinking about how you like rationalize. I rationalize that in this conversation <laughs> that that was bitterness towards a human. That's what's so cool about this. Hilarious. Though. Unscripted. Unscripted. Yeah. I was actually going to ask if it was not jealous or if it was not bitterness, bitterness and if it was just jealousy. Yeah. So yeah. So there was definitely this jealousy that was like within me that was like pretty mellow, but I wanted to know, I wanted to know what they knew. And and I was very like, 
um, bold to ask, like, how do I get that? Or, mm-hmm. or what do I do to get this skill set? Where did you learn? Did you, you know, and some people be like, I watched YouTube for 10 hours and I would decide, no, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. So then I would cut myself short of learning in that way. And I'd try to figure out a new way to learn it. Or so within that, I learned a lot of the hard ways to do things because I didn't want to learn the way other people had learned. And, um, so the, there is this reality of comparison, especially on social media, because you're seeing everyone knows it the highlight reel of someone's life. And you're thinking, all they do is travel. All they do is buy coffee. All they do is <laughs> eat toast with avocado. Eat, yeah. Eat toast with like so much avocado. On it. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, it's, yeah, there's like this like silliness when we, th- when we say it out loud, we're like, is that what I'm really jealous of? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And so I think before I went to the Middle East, I had this moment of like, oh, God is designing my story entirely as my story. Yeah. And if I keep veering into people's lanes, like I'm just going to keep getting in accidents and like keep getting hurt and continually blame other people for something I'm self-destructing, you know? And so being in the Middle East, like I would look at Instagram and see all my friends doing such cool stuff. And I'm like sitting in a house like, and like, crazy you know bombs are going off outside like legit that in that level of comparison of like wow I really wish I wasn't here right now why did I do this or things like that you know and then creatively like looking at videos people created of their travel trips or things like that and it's like dang my videos aren't that good but um I've shared this before at a conference but there's this reality that when God created creation he spoke over us that we are good and then he spoke over man that we are very good and I had this just moment of like what if I spoke that over my work what if I anything I created instead of even dabbling with the idea of hating it or thinking that someone else's is better than mine what if I just spoke over it that it's very good and so then I just kind of went on this journey for like the last year and a half doing that where like anything I make I'm like this is very good and this is the best I could do right now Mm -hmm. so good job Caitlin like you know just speaking life like the words we speak is the house we live in like that is just the truth of it and so not letting this like comparison and the reality of like my life is worse than it's like no God gave me this moment and I'm gonna be thankful in it and like let's like go forward in it and I'm going to stay in my lane they're going to stay in their lane and realizing like just because someone else is is having victory in areas doesn't mean I'm any less it just means I get to champion them and what they're doing and then through collaboration I found a lot of freedom from comparison mm-hmm. because you work with other people and you highlight each other's skill sets and you bring your strengths where someone else's weakness is and you get to come together and create something amazing mm-hmm That's so good. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing everything. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to Fearless Talk. You are now officially a part of this fearless company. Send us some love at info at fearlessco.org and let us know how we can partner with you as you pursue the free life.